So as you probably guessed, I'm a huge movie fan, so I've seen a ton of movies, but I haven't seen a lot of TV shows. And that's probably a big reason why I haven't seen this really popular TV show called The Chosen, which dramatizes the life of Christ himself. Now that said, even though I haven't seen particular episodes of The Chosen, I have seen clips from the show. And one particular clip, which I found to be quite striking, dramatizes the story of the woman at the well, which you find, of course, in the Gospel of John chapter 4. And so given all that, what I want to do in the context of this particular reflection is to compare a more traditional telling of that story to what we find in that particular TV show. So regardless of which particular interpretation of the text you adopt, there's certain kind of key background points with regards to the story of the woman at the well that we need to be kind of aware of. So first of all, with regards to the notion of Samaritans. So Samaritans were basically Israelite people who had intermarried with people of foreign nations. And so as a result, they were seen as being half-breeds in a derogatory sort of way by the holy people of God, which obviously results in all sorts of tensions between the Israelite people and the Samaritans. And this ongoing conflict between the Samaritans and the Israelite people kind of reached its peak in a certain sense when it came to this ongoing dispute as to the place of proper worship. And so the Samaritans thought that the place of proper worship was this particular mountain, Mount Gerizim, whereas the Israelite people favored, of course, the city of Jerusalem. In any case, another really important background point for us to be aware of is this thing involving men and women, right? So basically at that time, in that particular cultural setting, men and women weren't allowed to speak alone in public. It was just seen as being a cultural no-no. Then thirdly and finally, of course, there's this whole business with the well. And so again, at that time in that particular cultural setting, women would typically fetch water from the well early in the morning when it was cool. And so therefore, for the woman at the well in this particular story to fetch water at noon, at the hottest time of the day, basically indicated that she was a publicly shamed sinner because of her irregular marital status, you know, the whole business with the five husbands, which we'll get to in just a moment. Beyond that said, something else that's really important to keep in mind when it comes to this image of the well is that it's highly symbolic. Because you got to remember that in the context of the Old Testament, that many of the great Old Testament figures like Moses, Jacob, or even Abraham himself, they met their wives next to a well, right? And so given all that, what Jesus is doing when he's speaking to this woman next to a well, he's basically inviting her to enter into the covenant of marriage. And in particular, given the fact that the woman basically represents each one of us, what the Lord is ultimately doing is inviting humankind to become espoused to God the Father through his only begotten Son. Okay, so given all that, let me kind of walk you through the story from a more traditional or conventional perspective. And so first of all, right off the bat, the Lord approaches this woman and says to her, give me a drink, as if to say to her, look, I am thirsting for you. Now, obviously, that's a Super Bowl comment, even given the wording, but it's made all the more provocative given the cultural context. Because again, here's this Jewish man speaking to a Samaritan woman all alone. So at the very least, it's provocative and it piques the woman's interest. And while he's got her attention, he speaks to her further about living water and says to her that it will become like a spring welling up to eternal life. But then, of course, the conversation suddenly shifts to this business with the five husbands. So the Lord begins by saying, call your husband. She replies by saying, I have no husband. And he says, you're correct. You've had five husbands and the one you're with right now is not your husband. To which she responds by saying, I see you're a prophet. And that in turn leads to this discussion about the place of proper worship. But instead of being boxed in by this false dichotomy between Mount Gerizim and the Jerusalem temple, the Lord speaks about worshiping in spirit and truth, which speaks to the fact that God will not be limited to a particular place. And in particular, alludes to certain sacramental realities. And so first of all, the Holy Eucharist, where Christ will be present throughout the world through the Eucharistic species. But secondly, the sacrament of baptism, where Christ will come to dwell within our very hearts through the power of sanctifying grace.
in any case, from this more traditional or conventional reading of the text, the net effect of all this discussion about living water and the five husbands and worshiping in spirit and truth is that the woman becomes the first evangelist, preaching to the neighboring town about the coming of the Messiah. We see, hold that thought now and compare this more conventional interpretation of the text to what we find in the context of the TV show, The Chosen. And so again, when you go back to a more traditional telling of the story, what you basically discover is a more or less linear progression of the narrative, as reflected in how the woman actually addresses the Lord. And so first of all, she calls him a Jew, and then she calls him Sir, and then she calls him a prophet, and then finally late in the game she calls him the Messiah, as if to suggest that she is pretty quick in terms of accepting his revelation of himself as the Christ. But you see, in contrast, if we look at the chosen TV show, it's kind of interesting. The woman at the well, she's betrayed not as being completely open to Christ, but instead as being very hard, very closed off, and even, dare we say, completely guarded. And it makes sense, right? Because she's been hurt. She's been hurt in terms of her past marriages. She's been hurt by the surrounding community. And so the mentality is, I've been hurt before, I've been hurt badly, and I don't want to be hurt again, so therefore I'm hard, I'm closed off, I'm guarded. And of course, this is reflected in how the story ultimately progresses. And so when the Lord says to her, give me a drink, she responds by saying nothing. Even when he speaks to her about living water, she says, well, wouldn't that be nice in a sarcastic sort of way. When he goes on to speak to her about her five husbands, she certainly acknowledges him as a prophet, but in a defensive sort of way, associating him with all those false prophets of the past who simply judged her and condemned her. And then finally, when the Lord speaks to her about worshiping in spirit and truth, even though she pauses slightly to consider the idea, even for a brief moment, she ultimately decides to walk away. So inclined is she to trust the depths of her pain, as opposed to considering the possibility of something better and more. So given all that, it obviously begs the question, what ultimately convinces her? What's the turning point in the story? Well, based on this particular episode from The Chosen, what ultimately convinces her is when Christ brings up the secrets from her past, particularly as they pertain to her past marriages. And so first of all, the Lord talks about her first marriage, and he speaks about how she was a woman of purity, and she was excited about entering into marriage. But this guy was not a good man, and so he hurt her, he beat her. As a result of which, she began to question marriage, and even question the practice of her faith. The Lord then goes on to talk about the woman's second husband, this man whose skin apparently smelled like oranges. As a result of which, whenever she walked through the marketplace and saw oranges, she would always feel guilty because even though he was a good man, she left him because she felt unworthy. Now, as you might imagine, the stirring up of these past memories stirs up some manner of hurt in the heart of the woman at the well. As a result of which, she asks the Lord, why are you doing this? And so what he basically says in response is that even though he has not formally yet revealed himself to be the Messiah to the general public, he's doing so with her. And even though she herself has been rejected by the general population, he stresses over and over again that she has not been rejected by the Messiah. And it's these statements in conjunction with everything which has happened before, which ultimately leads her to accept Jesus as the Christ. Now, even though it's true that the chosen TV series sort of takes creative liberties in terms of expounding upon the details of the woman at the well's marital past, at the same time, in a certain sense, it's actually supported by the gospel text. Especially given the fact that the woman tells the people of the neighboring town, come meet a person who has told me everything I've ever done. But more to the point, this particular rendering of the story reveals to us something really important about the spiritual life. Namely this notion that the path to intimacy with God, or in particular the path to becoming espoused again to God the Father through His only begotten Son, is to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to allow ourselves to become real with God. 
not simply the sense of revealing to God our, our fears, our disappointments, our hurts, and our woundedness, but also revealing to Him our hopes, our dreams, the deep desires of the human heart, to allow these things to finally come to the surface such that they might be touched and healed by God's redeeming love.